Hi, this is Kev Lakes Walker, and you are about to hear a podcast of an interview that appeared on Shades of Blues here on The Cat. And there will be plenty more as we delve into the archives. Sit back and enjoy. I'm delighted to say I'm having a bit of a catch-up now with uh, Mississippi Mick, Mick Kalasa. Mick, are you well? Well, it's so good to catch up. It's been a while. I think I... Uh, Last time I saw you was at a bus station in Clarksdale. Indeedy. indeedy. <laughs> I, There's a waving, song in there somewhere. Waving a sad farewell as the dust settled. Um, yeah. um, it, it's been a strange time since then. Um, how are you yes. coping with it all? Well, you know, not only have we had the, the, the pandemic, which meant all performances and tours stopped, so we went from three trips to Europe to nothing, and 50 shows at Ground Zero to nothing. Uh, also, uh, you know, on another uh, unrelated but worse note, my wife passed away last year. Oh, I'm so to hear that. So part of my uh, recovery in that process is I've moved to Memphis. So I'm uh, sitting in my house in, in Midtown Memphis with one recording studio five blocks from me, another seven. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to make three albums this year. Right. One of the things that inspired me to contact you is the fact that you've just released a new album. Um, yes. Is that a result of what's happened recently? Well, you know, that some of it is. Some of it is. What's interesting about that is that we got the major recording of that finished in March 23rd of last year. Uh, we had the, the final session with the band, and then the studio shut down, and we just had to stop. And then in June... We got back together in small groups and finished it up, and it was finally uh, late August when we did added the final pieces to it, and then we released it in October. So that really, all the songs were written prior to the pandemic, but it certainly had an effect on the production of it, which meant that sometimes we had months to sit and listen to takes and say, okay, what do we want to add here? That was good, but in the meantime, during the downtime, I was probably writing three songs a day. Just going back to the the production there, though, having that amount of time on your hands, was there a danger then of overproducing it? Oh, that is always a danger. And fortunately, we're, we're fairly disciplined at that in that if we're going to make a mistake, it'll be putting less rather than more. Yeah. We've got some, some songs on there. You know, I did, uh, did that gospely, rocked-out version of the James Taylor song, Lo and Behold. Mm-hmm. And that's a very heavily produced piece, but that was done purposefully because we wanted it to be big. Almost, uh, I'll do a similar thing on an album I'm working on now where it almost, uh, uh, because of the changes in it, it has different movements as opposed to just different sections. But th that was that was done on purpose, whereas some of the others uh, are much simpler than, uh, than frankly, some of my uh, compatriots wanted them to be. Mm. The, so the song uh, I've seen got stripped way, way down because I, I wanted it to be simpler, whereas it had been, there were horns on it at one time, and I said, nope, that just isn't going to work. So, yeah. But yeah. that was a good thing, because there wasn't a hurry, there wasn't a rush. We were able to to sit and really think through this, and and that was a blessing. Yeah. We're kind of taking the same approach to the album I'm working on now. We actually started in, could have been as early as November, we started doing things on it, and uh, we still haven't added the background vocals yet, uh, we just put the horns in, and a week from today, we're going to sit down and edit the horn parts. So I like this approach. Rather than rushing to get it out, taking the time to get it right. 
Yeah. Well, when I met up with you, you introduced me to Tully Bray, or the music of Tully Bray. Yes. And I'm demonstrating my ignorance here. Since then, I've noticed your name on quite a few albums and things. Are you still producing and overseeing other projects? Well, I'm producing some of it, but, you know, it's on, I'm executive producer because it's on my label. Mm. I started this label, Endless Blues, mainly to help independent artists. If you're lucky enough to get signed by Alligator or somebody, they take care of everything soup to nuts. Uh, you know, there are, there's an upside and downside to, uh, to record label deals. What I wanted to do was, because I'd been through this often enough, and that I wanted to share that experience with some friends. So I put together a label and i've been very selective about who i'll bring on board with it you know they're, they're generally friends people who i know produce you know put out good quality work i get asked every day by somebody you know i'm the i'm the best blues man in elvin breath nebraska and people tell me i really need to give a, re a record out and i listen to what they do and say you just keep plugging away in nebraska buddy <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but uh what i've been able to do then is, is help some friends and we just added two more artists about to add a third so you know eric hughes who's done five thousand shows on beale street a dear friend eric is the only person other than me who has been on every one of my blues albums and so when it was time for him to put together another album it was a natural he was going to work with me and and we'd put that together uh so um you know i've been doing a lot and, and but what i can do is by being there i can help them avoid some of the mistakes that are so common and uh, just recently, uh, recently announced that we've we signed Dexter Allen, who's an award-winning musician. He was he was Bobby Rush's guitar player for years. Yeah, Dexter's an amazing musician and such a clever lyricist. He did a live album at Ground Zero a few years ago that did quite well, but he's got an album that will be coming out soon that we're real we're real happy with. And just signed another artist named Chris Gill, who's just all pretty much all acoustic, wonderful slide guitarist, and. Um, have decided that we're going to produce an album for Vince Johnson. Now, if anybody has been to Beale Street, Vince is a fixture there. A blues artist who should be well-known isn't. He's, he's had some health problems, and we're just going to make sure he gets a good album out there because he needs it. Talking about supporting people, mm -hmm. I was in conversation with Rusty Wright a couple of months ago, and mm -hmm. uh, we were talking about the, the Blues Foundation, how they are helping people throughout this oh, pandemic, yeah. uh, financially, oh, yeah. uh, paying doctor's bills, things like that. Mm -hmm. As a former hierarchy at the Blues Foundation, that must make you so proud. Oh, it does. And I don't know if you know this, but if you look on every one of my records, 100% of the net proceeds, and it's really more than that, from the sale of my albums goes to the Blues Foundation to two of their programs. One is called the Heart Fund, which pays for health care and funeral expenses for blues artists and their families. And the other half goes to Generation Blues, which provides scholarships for young blues artists to go and study with more established artists. And uh, so it's very, very, I'm very proud of what the, the foundation does. And uh, so I work like mad to support it. Uh, and, you know, we also have the Memphis Blues Society has a similar program just for local musicians. So it's wonderful the way the blues world has pulled together to support each other during this yeah and obviously we've got the uh blues awards coming up in a couple yes. of months time it's mm -hmm. going to be very different i mean last year it was the, the virtual awards and right i'm guessing lessons have been learned from that and it'll be bigger and better this year 
Yeah, well, that's the, that's the hope, uh, yeah. the plan. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure it, it will be better. It'll certainly be because there's there's one under their belt. The production will be a little bit better and smoother. And, uh, you know, they put some interesting things together. There's a uh, uh, the Women in Blues program, which is not associated with the, the, the foundation, but does a lot of things with them, has always done showcases during the IBC. Well, we didn't have an IBC this year. So they did a virtual showcase, and it was three times as long with videos uh, really celebrating the women in blues. And, it's, it, and it worked out real well. So I think from the things that have gone on with that, the foundation will build quite a good program. The, the toughest thing, we've, we've talked about this, boy, to win a BMA this year or to win the IBC last year and not be able to take advantage of it, you can't, you know, because those are just from a business perspective. If you win a BMA that, or, or if you win the IBC, that gets you some amazing gigs mm. that didn't happen this year. Yeah, and and so it's uh, it's going to be interesting. We can still celebrate the music, but I mean, I'm hoping the musicians can make it. Well, one thing I'm trying to do this year is consciously show just how international the blues is by talking to people around the world. And um, we've oh, had yeah. uh, Goskinin from Turkey, Soulmate mm-hmm. from India. It is truly international does that still stagger you just how international the blues is well you know it's 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 crazy that the number two city for for listening to my music is uh rio de janeiro right i'm I'm really popular in brazil have you ever Uh, been no i haven't i haven't i really want to (laughs) but uh but they've got to open up the the borders i've been to peru and venezuela but not brazil right that was for that was for fishing not for not for music you know, I, I, I've got to tell you this wonderful story. Talk about the internationality of blues. I was in Guatemala fishing on, on a Pacific Coast town, Puerto San Jose. I was in this fishing lodge, and in, of course, I was in the bar because it was at night. And there was uh, there's these these four young, I mean, late teens, early twenties, Guatemalan musicians, and they were playing a lot of different kinds of music, and they started playing some amazing blues. And I went up and I said, "Where did you learn that?" They said Blues Radio International. I don't know if you know Jesse Finkelstein. Does mm. short wave show. So I'm in the middle of of, of I'm in, in Guatemala. You know, armed guards everywhere. Yeah. And these kids are playing blues and loving it. Yeah. Coming back to your music. Yeah. And uh, the way I came across you in the first place was an album you'd done called "You Can't Do That," which was covers yes. of Beatles tunes. Um, yes. Are there any plans to do something similar to that, whether it be Beatles or another artist? Uh, actually, we uh, have in the, the, the works an album that will be called I Didn't Know That Was Blues, and it will be songs from the 50s through the 90s that were in popular music uh, that will be delivered as blues. And I'm really looking forward to it. I, you know, I've, I've tried to bluesify songs. I mean, if you go back and look at my, my catalog, I took the box top song, The Letter, and uh, the Randy Newman song, Mama Told Me Not to Come, mm-hmm. and, uh, of course, all those Beatles songs. Uh, I will actually, that album will include, I didn't know that was blues, will include an electric version of my take on Lady Madonna. Right. Oh, I'm so uh, looking forward to that. So is there a timeline for this? Um, we're trying to arrange now. I've got some friends that will come in from San Francisco, uh, uh, keyboard and, uh, and drums, and then we'll use... Uh, Jeff Jensen and other musicians here. We're hoping early summer we'll get that going, and that's the kind of album that 
three days of rehearsing and two days in the studio and it's done. Yeah. Just simply because it's going to be straightforward. Although we'll bring in horns because we have to uh, on some of the songs. But I'm also going to, prior to that, but something we can do in a couple of days is do a Christmas EP. I've got an interesting take on, on some classic Christmas songs. What what if Dr. John did uh, Jingle Bells? <laughs> uh, well, I'm just like thinking I'm, in your catalog, you've never done the Christmas album, have you? No, I haven't. You know, no. I, I've there there are some songs that I love to do, and I, the question is is will it be all classic songs? Uh, I mean, Lou Rawls' version of "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas" is just made to be a little bluesier. Uh, and do I add some originals? We'll just have to see. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm looking forward. To, it's going to be a busy <laughs> year for you then. Well, I've got I've got the time. I'm. I'm, I'm within six or seven blocks of, of some major recording studios um, I'm building a, a small studio in my in my backyard behind my house that'll be mainly for uh, rehearsals you know not for recording because by the time I bought the mic that I would want for recording I could have covered several days in a studio so. yeah <laughs> <laughs> you've moved to Memphis now do you still right. visit Clarksdale occasionally I, I do well. You know, it's 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 hard to visit because there's nothing there. But I I, uh, I have done a couple of shows from the Bluesberry Cafe uh, on uh, uh, Sunday mornings and Monday nights. You know, so they stream them. Yeah. Uh, still, still. Oh, oh. One one of the songs that will be. On, I'll, I'll give you this. One of the songs that will be on that. I didn't know that was blues album. Will be Woodstock. Right. Uh, and I'll be and I'll be joined by Watermelon Slim on that. Excellent stuff. Excellent. So, so uh, we've had a lot of fun with that. Um, um, I am scheduled to play the Juke Joint Festival, which will be going on outdoors in a socially distanced manner. Uh, I think it's the 17th of April, so I'll be back to Clarksdale for that. And, uh, you know, plan on once things open up, I'll get down there a lot because there's, there's so much going on. But, of course, I'm here in Memphis where I'm, you know, th- three blocks from two different venues that uh, once things open up, we'll be quite busy. So... I'm guessing from what you're saying that it is still very locked down over there. Yeah, it is pretty pretty much. It depends. Mississippi is opening up. Uh, I fear it's too soon, but our our governor is that way. He he just eliminated the mask mandates and things like that. So I'm sure we'll have a resurgence uh, in Mississippi. <laughs> well, you are very vocal on Facebook. I've noticed. I- I do my best. <laughs> <laughs> and I noticed your comment, uh, I think it was yesterday, about the vaccine. And uh, coincidentally, I've had my vaccination today. So that's sort of preying on my mind slightly. I think you know that my background, I was a health economist and epidemiologist. So I refer to myself as a, as a recovering academic. But um, the, 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 the fact is, if you look at the numbers for that AstraZeneca vaccine, uh, the, the the blood clots that emerged are fewer than what would be expected in the general population. Mm. So if, if they're being overly cautious on the continent, uh, but if you if I were to draw any kind of early early hypothesis or conclusion, is it's preventing blood clots, not causing them. Yeah, um, we were having the same discussion <laughs> in the studio earlier that the the figures for people having blood clots yeah is the average percentage for people having blood clots it's nothing to yeah, do with the vaccine in, in fact it's a little it's a little lower but you know and the problem is if you're taking a drug and you're struck by lightning they have to list that as a potential side effect <laughs> uh i understand the caution uh but i think you know right right now the blood clots from COVID are much worse than the than the 
potential blood clots from a vaccine. Mm. I've had t- I've had two doses of the Pfizer vaccine because that was one of the first available here. Yeah. So according to the Centers for Disease Control here, I can run around with about anybody. <laughs> uh, so uh, they're starting to open up some things here. There are there are uh, I think fifty percent occupancy in the in the clubs here in Memphis. There are shows most nights. Mm. So we're starting to crawl back, but they're being very good, and it's it's very interesting. At Rum Boogie Cafe, I'll drop in there often because I got many friends who play there, <laughs> so they invite me up to sing with them. And, and uh, people want to get up and dance, and yeah. the crew has to come in and say, "No, you can't dance. Yeah. They will shut us down if you dance." <laughs> uh, oh, you you've done it now. You mentioned Rum Boogie that. <laughs> I, was, I was talking with Rudy from Soulmate, the Indian blues band, mm-hmm. and uh, when they came over for the uh, International Blues Challenge, they mm-hmm. played at Rumbugi one year, uh-huh. and then the next time they came over, they played at Ground Zero, and I said, you've played at two of my favourite clubs in the whole world. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I so want to come back. I really do want to well, come back. Well, you know, come on, come on back. I've got a room here for you. <laughs> uh, you know that, and we can have some fun. Yeah. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm in Midtown, so there's places here like Lafayette's Music Room, which will have two and three shows a night, different artists, and anybody from a local band through, you know, Leon, Leon Russell played there, Samantha Fish comes in, and, and so got a, an, an array of things, and everything from blues through classic R&B. Plus, we, you know, we've just got so many places here. R- Rum Boogie is still providing some really good blues, not everybody on Beale Street does. The tourists kind of, you know, they hear my girl and they think they've listened to blues. Yeah. Uh, but uh, there's a lot going on, and, and uh, it, it's starting to crawl back. Good, good. I, I so want to get back there. It's probably, I would imagine it's going to be next year at the earliest before it's going to be absolutely safe. But uh, hey-ho. So I've got a room for you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so just to recap then, you are working on an album as we speak you've got another one in the pipeline there's a christmas album possibly and another acoustic album and you're also producing and overseeing other artists as well yes i am when do you get time to go to run boogie uh every night Uh, (laughs) we'll tend to do our recording early in the day you know we'll show up at 10 o'clock and record until six so we've got time to go out in the evening and uh, uh hit some of the clubs it actually works out well for me if I'm recording, if I can sing, go out and sing my butt off the night before, and just scream, and it opens up my throat. I I add, you know, half an octave to my range, and a lot of depth, and so it's it's actually works out very well, just just for the singing. <laughs> well, talking about the recording process, there are you quite regimented about it? You will start at such and such a time, and will finish or aim to finish at such and such a time. Yeah, general, generally that's 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 the case. Rather than you know the good old days where you'd want you know you'd come in and and then wait until the mood struck you. <laughs> uh, you know we 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 want to come in, get it done. You want to minimize the you know you're paying a hundred or more dollars an hour. You, you don't want to waste a whole lot of time, you know, mm, right. <laughs> when it's your money. Yeah. You know, when it's Apple's money, it might be different. But <laughs> but so, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. But also what we'll do is with the team, we'll spend a lot of time pre-production getting ready. We will rehearse. We'll have laid out exact pretty much what we want and you so, know, under, understand the process ahead of time. So the rehearsal process, will that be performing the songs live before you go into the studio? 
sometimes it's live quite often it'll just be it, it on, on this album it was frankly in jeff jensen's living room with the other musicians uh uh next time around it'll be in my little studio back here mm. where we've got everything set up and we'll be able to you know cut demos and play them and you know when we get a chance we'll, we'll do them live it's been said on numerous occasions during these interviews that uh, sometimes when you're playing off each other, you just get that magic moment that makes the song. Absolutely. I mean, there, there's, there's, I'm, I'm on my album 149 Delta Avenue. There's two takes of a song called Alternative Man, and that's because when, when in the band started playing it, and um, I cut the vocals and things, and the lead guitarist started playing some things and. And he just went crazy with it. I said, where did that come from? And he said, well, I just thought, how would Mick not want me to play this? And that's what I played. Because <laughs> it was not at all the song that I wrote. Right. And so, but it was a really cool take on it. Yeah. So we actually had two takes of that song. One that was funkier, more the way I wrote it. And the other one that rocked out and was kind of harsh, you know, more industrial strength. Yeah. But that, that happens. And sometimes, you know, it, it turns into gold. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so you, you've got to go with it. I mean, it's, I don't want to tie the music up, uh, you know, have it all, all tightly wound there. You've got to let it go. I, I don't know that we've ever played any song twice the same way in live performances. Mm. Well, like we say, you do have a busy year ahead of you. Um, and I look forward with eager anticipation <laughs> for these new releases that are coming out. And I wish you all the best, and thank you so much for taking time out to do this. Well, thank you, and you take care, and I hope to see you very soon. And I hope you enjoyed that little interview there, and there will be more as we record more for the show, and we are going to delve into the archives and pull some of the old ones out as well. So, plenty more to come, and of course, if you want to hear the whole show, there is always Listen Again. I'll see you next time. Take care.